Can geofencing and geofenced advertising and marketing really explode your business with growth? We're going to dig under the fence to find out how geofencing works and how you can use it to drive sales and growth in this month's Greenbox podcast. Please like our podcast and subscribe to our channel to get notified when next month's podcast is released. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Streaming box technology and business rundown. What is geofencing and geofenced advertising and marketing, and how can you use it to explode your business growth? Welcome to the Screenbox Technology and Business Rundown Podcast. For this month, I, Dave Erickson, and my co-host, Botan Sedesh, are going to try to figure out what side of the geofence we're on by talking with Jeff Schwartz, CEO of Ethic Advertising. What side of the geofence are you on? Did you know that geofencing can actually help your business grow? In this podcast, we're going to find out about one of the newest advertising and marketing technologies, geofencing. Jeff has almost two decades of experience in advertising and entrepreneurship. He is the founder of Ethics Advertising Agency, an agency that specializes in hyper-targeted digital advertising and creative services. He is also the author of the ebook Nine Reasons Advertising Doesn't Work. Recently, Jeff and his team have just released their first and only self-serve geofencing advertising platform built for small businesses called QJAM. So, Jeff, anything you want to add? No, that sounds great, Dave. Thanks for having me on. So, um, it was explained to me, uh, geofencing is uh, basically uh, location tracking on steroids. I mean, you may want to add or <laughs> detract from that statement, but I think it's a good intro to our first topic, which is, uh, Jeff, what is geofencing technology and how does it work in the context of advertising and uh, marketing. Yeah, it's a term that actually gets utilized for a couple different things. So as it relates to the, the kind of advertising that we're doing, um, it it is an interesting kind of topic that that um, gets into some of the privacy stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about and touch on and everything. But essentially what it does is it uses GPS tracking. So it's, it's the same satellites that are helping you get from you know, your house to McDonald's uh, on your map or anytime you open up an app or website that says, hey, we'd like to use your location so we can identify which Home Depot we should send your stuff to. It uses that same form of technology to identify when a person or more accurately a device has been at a very specific location. So let's say I'm a flooring company that wants to target people who are in the flooring section of Home Depot. Um, you can actually trace a quote-unquote geofence around um, that specific location and then when people enter that, if they have GPS turned on in the back of their phones, which in America about 90% of phones have it turned on in the background, then the system can actually identify, hey, this device actually was at this location. 
and then it kind of puts it into, I kind of picture it as a basket. So that device goes into a basket that when it goes onto an app or um, that has banner ads, we can serve them banner ads. Or if they go and they onto like Roku or Pluto TV and watch their favorite show, then we can serve them an ad there. Or um, if they go onto a website and like, okay, how to lay my own flooring and they see a commercial before that five minute video. We can serve those kind of ads for the next 30 days, which is really cool. And the other neat thing is it's not just the captured device that was at that location, which is usually a cell phone. So if that cell phone or smartphone is actually connected to like a smart TV, a computer, a tablet, another mobile device, then we can actually identify that and start serving ads across all of those devices, which is really neat when it comes to the video stuff, because someone could maybe go shopping at Home Depot for flooring and then see your local flooring company uh, pop up on their big screen TV, um, you know, the next day or so. All right. So is it um, as simple as I got the device ID and then uh, I get a Google account of whoever is... Uh logged on to that device. Yeah, so there, so because this is using people's physical locations, there's a lot of privacy um, uh, parameters that are put into place. So it's really only tracking that device ID and connected devices to that. There's no personal data that's on there. It's all encrypted. There's no saying, hey, you know, Bontone was at this location um, or anything like that. It's, hey, this device was there, but it doesn't even tell you really kind of like those device IDs because it's all all kind of hidden with that uh, and everything. So um, it's also built on, uh, we do use the Google Exchange, but we also use over 50 other exchanges, which means that uh, on a publisher basis or like the different apps and websites and streaming services that we can use, we have access to hundreds of thousands of them. So it's really identifying who the right people are that have been to a very specific location and then being able to have a massive network of uh, websites and apps and streaming services that we can then advertise on. So it really doesn't matter if somebody is going on you know, one of the Google partners or they're going on um, a different exchange or anything like that. Uh, we should be able to bid on that inventory to get our banner ad, OTT ad or video pre-roll ad in front of them. I know you just said that uh, you can be in a certain inventory of uh, available marketing or advertising space. And me as someone who has never uh, been in contact with that space, I do wonder, like, uh, is it like uh, I want to advertise on, let's say, tech websites or, uh, I don't know, uh, best time YouTube channels or... Uh, maybe some big screens in a uh, department store? Yeah, so that's actually a really great question. So there's a couple of things. The, the, the product that we just launched called QJam allows small businesses to do it themselves. Um, and part of that technology being, being used, and so this is really the first ever time that any small business can actually go on, do it themselves and manage themselves. Um, so admittedly, it doesn't have every bell and whistle, but some of those targeted like limitations on um, maybe like, I don't want to be on these types of websites or I don't want to be on these types of devices and everything. 
some of those capabilities are there, but that's more of like the software that we use um, uh, for this primarily is called Simplify. So when we have access to all the, the different levers, we can do that in-house. So that's gonna be still a managed kind of service that's out there. So it depends on the platforms that you have. Those are the two that we utilize and we offer. So through Ethic Advertising Agency, we have the option to manage it for you, which gives us a lot more resources. Or on the QJAM product side of things, people can just go and do it all themselves. There's some other geofence advertising companies that are out there that have a different take on it. But you can add some of those layers of limitations and targeting with that. However, um, there's certain things that you can't do. Like we're not layering on, uh, if you set up a geofence around you know, a restaurant and everything, we're not layering on third-party data onto that because that's, a, that's kind of a breach of privacy in a way. Um, or, but we also are often encouraging our clients to not put up those parameters. Because if you think about it, if you know where your audience is and you really wanna reach them, a, that's going to be a small population compared to reaching the entire market, like with TV or radio or anything like that. But B, if they experience your ad watch on, you know, on a website about sports and, and, and they experience it again on news or something that's more topical or whatever it is, it really doesn't matter what content they're digesting because it's more important about what those individual who those individuals are that there's an indication that they're a specific location maybe your competitors or doing something that they're interested in what you have going on so we actually encourage unless there's a very viable reason to not add those layers of limitations um, and everything and not every medium that's out there that would you test geofencing with even allows you to kind of do those um, limitations on it as, as well too so what would be kind of a small business use case for geofencing? So let's say I'm a small business. I sell, um, I don't know, car parts. I'm targeting a certain type of user and I have a store. How would I use geofencing to grow my business in that sense? Yeah, it's one of those things. If you know where your, your, peop, where your target audience physically are, then you can kind of leverage this. So it's actually useful across the board from anything from actually massive industrial companies that are only selling to a handful of other organizations um, and everything. So maybe they have a small department that is like, how do we get more of that? Down to an example that you're giving of like a car parts uh, kind of thing. So, you know, if you think about it, if you think about, well, where are these individuals that are buying these car parts from? Is it um, a U-Pull-Em lot, like a, like a junkyard lot that you can geofence? Is it um, O'Reilly Auto Parts or AutoZone uh, that you want to target? Is it the mechanic shop where they're getting things repaired? Are mechanics also something that's important to you? So where you want to try to sell to them as well, too. So you kind of think about where they are and then proximity to you as well, too. If you have a physical location, even, or if you even like ship things out as well too, there's the economics of, uh, of logistics, right? So somebody that is within 10 minutes of you is probably gonna be more valuable than somebody who's within an hour of you if you have to ship it, because then you have to have the shipping costs or you have to get it there and have logistics costs as well too. So for that particular example, those are some things that you can, you can do. And that's kind of referring it based off of like the QGAM platform. There are, um, additional uh, geofence advertising resources that again, like Ethic Advertising has, has resources too uh, that we can utilize. Um, and a good example of that for this case would be um, actually we can curate a home address list based off of people that are interested in cars. 
So we can do it based off of the household, that they maybe the household has a garage as well too. So we can actually create these kind of custom residential lists and then say, hey, in this area there are 50,000 households, but when you put these parameters of people that are interested with ca in cars, that they have a car maybe that's a little bit older, or they have a garage or whatever it might be that we can kind of layer onto that, it might drop it down to 5,000 households or 10,000 households or in, in whatever it might be. And then we can actually just automatically, based off of people's physical property lines, uh, geofence those individual locations, so then you're targeting people with ads that have been in and out of there. So. Something else to keep in mind with that is, yes, you're reaching people in the households, but you're also potentially reaching you know, the friend that came over as well too. There's not a big differentiator once you set up a fence of who you're going to reach once they've actually entered that fence. It's really anybody and everybody. All right, so it's uh, not like if I set up a geo fence around my house, it's gonna be targeting me specifically, but anyone who's here. Correct, yeah, and it also depends on like, so that like if, if you're talking about like one individual household, because I get this question a lot, is like, oh man, I don't like my ex. I want to serve bad ads to to him or her or something like that, and they want to just do whatever whatever it is. A, that's not ethical and, and everything, and you shouldn't do that. But um, you know, we have had things where it's like, I just want this one person to see my ad. Well, there's a lot of variables on. It, who, if somebody's actually going to see that ad, a they have to have entered that geofence. B they have to have that GPS turned on. Automatically, ten percent of Americans are super aware that they want to keep that uh, turned off uh, and and everything. So so that's like that. As well as there's a component of people turning it on and off. Maybe they're like, oh, I don't want GPS turned on, and then they go into an app and it says, hey, do you want to use that the location to better your experience? And then they turn it back on, right? So there's the capturing of those devices. The next layer is the use of them. So Bontone, if you're like, hey, I'm gonna go on a retreat and I'm gonna be completely plugged off of technology, well, you aren't gonna see those ads, right? Or if Dave, if you're like a avid technology user and you have an app and you're on a game that you love to play for hours and hours and hours, greatly increases your chances of seeing one of these ads because your usage is a lot heavier than maybe somebody else who has some who doesn't use the technology or the technology in a way that's very app uh, and website and streaming engaged. So there's those kind of things. And then the third component as well too is we don't own the rights to the inventory that's on there. It's not like it's blank and, and everything until someone comes there and is like, oh, we were waiting for the, uh, the ad from Ethic Advertising or QGM and something. It's a bidding system. So let's say we're gonna use banner ads and then there is somebody who we captured um, through the geofencing technology that we wanna serve an ad to. Well, if they're playing solitaire and we wanna bid on that, that, uh, that, that person, that doesn't mean that no other advertiser is gonna bid on them. We might be bidding against a whole bunch of other advertisers. So um, we always kind of have a, a, a decent, what's called cost per thousand or AKA the rate, which is the cost to reach a thousand individuals or have your ads be seen a thousand times. So it uses those bid rates to then kind of jockey per, for position. Um, and then we also, the last thing with this is we also have some frequency caps that we, we utilize a lot too. 
That just means that we don't want to serve the same ad to the same person 800 times in one day. So we're going to cap that. Maybe we want to serve them ads six times in, uh, per day and everything, which will also kind of limit the amount that that individual is seeing, but also expand the amount of, of the net population that we're able to reach. We can set limits per device ID and per location, and those two can work together, if I got that correctly. But so we can set circle back a bit. Yeah, so we kind of set limits, not like um, on an individual device kind of kind of basis, but it's more of like the macro. Like if we say, hey, we are only going to serve ads to somebody, you know, eight times per day, uh, let's say. Well, that's going to be the same for every device that we that we capture. Oh, right. OK. And uh, I'm really interested in that uh, unethical example you brought up. Like I hate someone and I want to serve him, serve him terrible ads but with a twist. So if I like myself and I hate ads, can I just buy all the ad inventory in at, at my house? So I only see my own ads. Yeah, I mean, so you, you can do, and actually that's a funny, like it's a funny statement, but at the same time, we often have run into the question of like, hey, why haven't I seen it? Uh, and everything from like the owners or the people that are utilizing and everything. And oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, like they they often like they want to see it. They want to have <laughs> pride in it. They want to see it and everything. Um, and with geofencing, it's often like, are you geofencing your house and your business and everything? Because oftentimes they're they're maybe not doing that, or maybe their target audience doesn't match them, so the habits are a little bit different, or their usage is a little bit different, or they have GPS turned off on their phone or whatever it might be. So geofencing is really a lot better on the macro. Now, if you target yourself and you match some of those criteria, yeah, you will start seeing your ads, but there is AI that's built into both this platform as well as a whole bunch of other platforms as well too, from the publishers to um, inventory uh, systems to uh, the distributors and, and everything to where there, it's very gonna be very unlikely that, that nobody else is gonna you know, not get into the rotation as well too. You'll see other ads. Now you can um, adopt, uh, especially for banner ads, ad blockers, uh, which can kind of help you be like, hey, let's stay away from that. And that's something to contest too. And another thing to consider that some people have ad blockers put into place, which makes it difficult for programmatic digital advertising like we're talking about to actually distribute as well too. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you, could, you could play around with that and everything, but you will see other ads and, and uh, besides your own. Thinking, um something more like setting up a geofence around my home and just serving everyone GTA ads. <laughs> so someone comes over and like, they're thinking, what? When did I get to this alternate dimension? <laughs> yeah, and that's actually, so that's one of the things I love about this for small businesses and actually even for small departments as well. Too. Like people that have smaller budgets with the targeted audience, right? We've done things um, where you know, it's a lot more mass scale. Like we've done things for veterinary clinics where that's a much larger audience, pet stores, dog parks, um, other veterinary clinics. There, um, there's like a, a big range of what that is. Um, but then there's also some things where there's individuals who are like, I only care about 400 people. That's, that's it. I know who my customers are. And usually that's because they're in a very niche audience. I know who they are. I know where their offices are, or I know where their homes are. A good example is we helped end a nursing strike 50% faster because the decision makers and the families of the decision makers, we knew where they were. And we spent in comparison to what you would spend on like a traditional kind of campaign between, and this, we had other 
targeting tactics besides geofencing. So we had um, other things that were at play here. But the feedback that we got was, wow, you guys are everywhere with your anti, like, um, or not anti, but with your strike message of like better wages for nurses and, and everything and, and stuff like that. So the board members, the decision makers, there was probably only 40 or 50 of them um, got bombarded with these ads because they were so hyper-targeted. Now, not all of them because not all of everybody can be kind of captured. But that's an example of a very niche audience that we've actually been able to kind of go after and brought them to the, the negotiation table, um, like I said, an estimated you know 50% faster. If I was the target user, I would be a little bit weird. I turn my GPS off. The only time my GPS is really on is if I'm using Strava when I go for a bike ride, right? Uh, or I'm in the car and I need directions and I turn on Google Maps, right? Yep. The, those are the times when I actually turn GPS on, otherwise it's off in the background. On the other hand, I'm a good cu customer or target customer because when it is on and I'm using Strava, uh, I can have a bike mount for my phone and use the maps off of that. So the phone is open and active and I'm looking at it as I ride my bike, right? So if somebody was like a bike shop in my area, they could say, hey, I want to do targeted ads to anybody who comes within 10 miles of my bike store, right? And in that case, I would ride into their range at some point, and then I would know, hey, there's a bike store near me if I needed something or if I got a flat and wanted to go in there, whatever, uh, or, or uh, a coffee shop or a sandwich shop or something like that. That would be a kind of, a, on one hand, a good way of using geofencing for advertising in that use case. On the other hand, I'm not the greatest one because my GPS isn't on all the time. Yeah, so there's a couple things to unpack with that one, which is interesting. Um, I'll start with the one that I, I don't think that you realize that you like you kind of asked in there, and then I'll go back to like the use of sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off. So the one that's interesting in there is you said, hey, 10 mile radius around there, I would like to get captured. That is actually, I, I would never recommend doing geofence advertising for that big of a radius. You can actually just do radius ge uh, advertising. That's just geographic advertising. I would highly recommend that. You're not using satellites, so it's also going to be a lot less expensive and everything. But the way that I would do it is if that bike trail goes past that shop, I would take geofencing and I would just geofence the bike trail. So maybe it's a 10 mile stretch of, a, of one road versus that radius as well too. So I highly recommend if someone is going to like jump on QJAM and play around with it, this is really for like very specific locations. There are, I would say, <clears throat> more cost effective options. If you're like, I wanna reach everybody in the zip code or I wanna reach everybody within a five mile radius and everything. Uh, and, and, and stuff, and, and we utilize those at, at Ethic, and QJAM is just for geofencing, so it's not on there, but there are other options for that. Now, for the turning on and off of the GPS and, and everything, it is a part of it. It's a natural kind of thing. In America, we actually have a opt-out um, uh, policy uh, instead of like over in Europe it's an opt-in policy so the GPS technology and the geofencing actually does not work well we've done tests in Switzerland um, and some other places over in uh, in uh, the, in Europe and it just doesn't do well because of how people um, with the laws 
opt-in or opt-out. So sometimes it's actually on in the background and you don't even realize it, but if you actually go in there and like, okay, I'm turning GPS off, I don't want any kind of traction on that, yeah, we won't be able to capture you. The majority of Americans have that turned on, but it's like any advertising. If I have a billboard that's, that's on that bike trail and everything, doesn't necessarily mean even you go right past it that every single eyeball is going to see it going to read it and going to comprehend it uh and everything and and stuff and it's almost like the same thing if that billboard is facing one way but all the people that are going the opposite direction see the back of the billboard they might never even see it even though they're they're kind of close so it's one of those things where it's not going to catch everybody and that's okay in my opinion as an advertiser what I would highly recommend and what I treat geofencing as, as something that can elevate your overall campaign, that can get you more eyeballs, brand awareness, and leads, but it is not a silver bullet, nor do I think any other advertising medium out there is like this holy grail that like you turn it on and it works. I am a very firm believer, and we actually have a blog on our website about something that we call the spider web effect. So if you think of a spider web and you take, let's say geofence, OTT advertising, so the, the streaming video uh, for like Roku and, and all the other uh, uh, networks or um, uh, stream platforms, and that's one thread of the spider web. So you have video on OTT that's being done by geofencing. Well, let's take maybe a display ad, but instead of using geofencing, it's site retargeting. So somebody that's been to your website and using a display ad, that's another thread. Well, search is massively important. People go to Google and look for it. So you have a thread that is your pay-per-click and your SEM. You have a thread that's your SEO. You have something that is more brand awareness and your thought leadership. You have maybe traditional TV ads. And then all of a sudden, all these threads and all these different mediums kind of get pulled together and it creates this sticky, big spider web that I always like to say, it's hard, the bigger and more well thought out it is, the harder it is for your target audience to miss it's also hard for them to get out of once they're in there as well too. So if you think about every individual advertising medium with a piece of creative as one thread, it's not gonna be as strong and it's not gonna be as effective as if you have multiple intersections. In marketing and advertising, you need to have multiple things uh, because people view things differently and they encounter things differently and they look for things differently. Uh, it's, it's part of a strategy, and, and it sounds like geofencing is a very precise type of advertising delivery. Mm -hmm. there, there's obviously an art to it, as you have indicated, and part of that is experience and knowledge and all of that. But it, it seems like it's very precise and targeted. It seems to lend itself to online or retail. I can see uh, how it can be used for other things notifications and compliance in other areas. But I, I would say that, you know, one of the, the best ways is e-commerce. Uh, I'm just going to throw out kind of what I think is an example. We're going to use uh, uh, Botan's uh, mythical heavy metal t-shirt business. Mm -hmm. If he was uh, had his uh, uh, e-commerce store selling t-shirts for targeted heavy metal uh, listeners, then a good way to do advertising that might be cost effective for him since he'd be a small business is anytime he sees a heavy metal concert at one of the concert venues, he could then buy some ads, geofence that concert area, 
right? Uh, the venue itself and maybe a little bit outside of it. And everybody who's standing in line waiting to get in or buy tickets or at the venue and are looking at their phones, the probability is high they would see an ad for his heavy metal t-shirts. Did I get that correct? Is that a, a, a youth case or something that can be done? Yeah, it's, it, it is. It, so that's something um, we set it up as what's called an event geofencing campaign. So at Ethic, it's something that we actually leverage uh, a lot. There is one hiccup with the technology. That's actually a good fail safe whenever we're talking about events uh, and, and everything. The, the one thing that's very interesting about the tech that we use is it not just uses GPS technology to identify that somebody's there, but it also cross matches Wi-Fi. So if a device is in a location that has a geofence and connected to Wi-Fi and that matches, so the AKA the Wi-Fi and the server is saying like, hey, it is, it is in this location and it's GPS, it's like, cool, matches, we're gonna serve them ads. But if there's a disconnect, so example I like to give is when I work for CBS Television here in Pittsburgh, our server was in Brooklyn, New York. So I got a lot of New York ads and, and, and everything. So if that happens where like say the venue is doing free Wi-Fi, a bunch of people connect to it, but their server's actually in a different location, then that could say, oh, well, it's supposed to be at stage AE in downtown Pittsburgh and everything. That's where the GPS is saying, but the Wi-Fi is saying that it's in Brooklyn, New York then the computer system will just say, it doesn't match, doesn't compute, so we're not gonna risk it, we're not gonna serve serve ads necessarily. So there are, there's always these like, yes, it works, but it's gotta kind of match up a, a little bit. But we've had a lot of success with targeting events and serving ads to those individuals. And the system's actually in place to be like, yes, they were definitely at this event. So there's like a layer of comfort of knowing that there is that cross device matching that can also sometimes cause that problem if Wi-Fi is something that's readily available. It tends to be a lot more for like, um, like, uh, like business expos, like all day events where people need to be on their computers and have Wi-Fi and, and everything uh, than like a concert venue per se. Um, but that's actually a very useful thing. Now, the interesting thing about it though is it does have a good application for like e-commerce for sure for like where people have been of like selling a specific product but the same technology that's used to identify where people have been we also use that to identify if they've actually what we call physically converted so let's say i'm just a restaurant I, i'm gonna say i'm mcdonald's i want people that are eating at the local burger kings i geofence the local burger kings and then i sit back and i'm like well where are they? What's going on? Well, the technology can actually do a conversion fence around my McDonald's. And then it can tell me, oh, this person saw your ad and then they actually came into your location because we use the same kind of tracking to see that as well too. So it's actually, there's like a good use for e-commerce and online stuff, but from a trackability standpoint, it's even more uh, powerful uh, for people that have brick and mortar locations as well. Uh, so one of the things that I, I keep hearing Jeff is uh, where someone has been. So can we actually target people that have been uh, nearby in let's say the past month? So I can assume that they regularly go by my shop. Yeah, so we, the way that we use it is the fence has to be set up to collect those devices. So if I set up a fence today, um, that's near my shop and, and you can actually do that is like, hey, I'm in a, I'm an ice cream shop in a, in a shopping plaza and I wanna get people that are, around you know around that location uh, like we have the capability of actually um uh saying like hey i only want to serve, serve ads to people within the next couple of days or something like that as well too but 
um, I want to I want to serve ads to people that are 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 near me, and then you set up the fence, and then people that enter that fence is what we target. There are some companies that will claim like um, look back data, uh, where they're like, hey, we use past historical data to kind of see that. I kind of feel like if we haven't set up the fence and it, it, like I've I've kind of looked into it, and I'm not too confident about the accuracy of that uh, and and everything. Um, I'm also I'm also very big on privacy as well too. So there's a component of like setting it up and getting our own data versus then also trying to like track where people have been in the past and, and everything without um, having like had those kind of parameters already set up. So we can't, the technology we use can't look back there, but as soon as we set up that geofence, then we can target those individuals for the next 30 days. Right, so could we do, for example, let's say somebody, let's say I set up my geofence, right? It's around my shop and uh, I only want to blast people with ads who've been here, say, 20 times in 20 days. Mm -hmm. So supposedly they are on their way to work or back home or whatever. So is it is that something that is even ethical to do? Is that something that's possible to do? So, you know, the, identifying the frequency that somebody is, is at, you'd have to do that probably at some some large volume. So if you're talking about one shop, What's a good analogy? So let's say you're doing target practice and, and if you think about that this is target practice. Geofence advertising is one of those things where you're using a rifle versus other advertising where you're using a shotgun to hit the target. So if if you use a rifle and you you keep narrowing it in and making that target smaller and smaller and smaller. So you keep on layering these parameters of like, hey, they gotta be in this location, but just this location, and they have to enter the fence like this many times and everything. We're talking about a very niche audience. And then with all the other stuff that's, um, that, you know, that has to kind of line up for it, you're gonna do one of two things. You're gonna take that shot with that rifle and you're gonna hit the target dead center, or you're gonna be a little bit off and you're gonna miss it completely, right? Where a shotgun approach where if you have like, hey, we're just going to reach anybody and everybody and use larger parameters and everything, more traditional kind of route, bigger chance that at least one of those um, pellets is going to hit your target. So the ability to actually do that is, is there deeper into like the, like we've used it, we leveraged it, but I would only recommend that if it's like, hey, I want to reach people that are there frequently, but we're also setting up. 100, 200, 300, 1,000 geofences as well too. So you're getting enough of those individuals on a macro level, but if you're talking about one store, like your one t-shirt store location and everything, and you just wanna do that, it'd be more advantageous to just let people know that you're there and that you're around there and not have as many parameters uh, put onto it so you can reach that desirable audience so your target doesn't become so small that it's it's, you know, yeah, you might only spend a dollar or something like that on there, but you might have missed completely with it as well too when there was somebody, if you just had that parameter a little bit wider and didn't put so many uh, restrictions on it, that it was still desirable to you. Let's talk a little bit about QJAM. Can you kind of describe it a little bit about how you guys decided to build a platform and how does the platform work or who is it intended for? Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, so the the story behind QGEM is is it's it was an idea that I had for for years. So um, 
Ethic Advertising Agency is an agency and we work in a lot of different mediums, but we found a really nice foothold in what's called programmatic digital advertising, um, which includes the world of geofencing. So this is things like banner ads, the OTT streaming video ads, streaming audio ads, um, uh, like, uh, and then even native ads, which is um, like it looks native to like a news site, as well as like video pre-roll ads. And the theory is, is, hey, we target the audience that we want, and then we use a massive network of publishers to be able to distribute it. So it doesn't really matter where they, they land on an app or a website or a streaming service, and then we can target them. So it's an area that we got really proficient at for a couple of years. We ended up having a lot of knowledge about geofencing and then writing articles and being a thought leader in that space. So we started having more and more conversations. And then we ended up being the backend provider, and we still are, for geofencing.com, geoconquesting.com. Uh, and we've just kind of dived deeper and deeper into this geofencing thing. So we've actually have been lucky enough to have probably a, a few hundred conversations with um, different sized businesses that are interested in geofencing and using it for them. And what we realized is, is that Ethic Average, like we have a minimum spend, like a lot of places. We're a managed service, so we do the work for you. Um, we don't accept credit cards we, uh, on the agency side of things uh, as well too. And we realized that people wanted to do it themselves. They, they maybe didn't want to meet our minimums, nor could they really find somebody that was you know, able to take it on that, that could do the same kind of thing. And we just felt like there was a, a need for, for people and based off these conversations to do it themselves, to spend the budget that they want to spend as well as not get raked over the coals. I, I know that the smaller budgets will are able to find a vendor that will take it for them, but that vendor and it's, it's pretty common will mark up the cost of it. 100, 200, 300, even 400%. So they aren't getting as much distribution as possible. And, and in all honesty, I, I won't make it very clear. There's nothing wrong with that, in my opinion. And I say that because if someone's gonna spend $300 on it and I have to have somebody on staff that's going to do the levers, that's going to input the information, that's going to you know look at it and see it and everything, from a business standpoint, they have to charge that amount. The difference with QJAM is the user, the, the advertiser, the company that is running the ads is the one who puts the information in and then we automated the entire system. So it's actually built on the best geofence advertising platform out there, which is the Simplified DSP. Um, so we're not reinventing the technology around it. What we are doing is making it accessible to small businesses so they can be in complete control over their geofencing campaign, update it however they want so they can spend the money that they want as well too and everything so they don't have to adhere to minimums because that's, that's a big thing um, that's out there. Some minimums are as much as $10,000 a month um, uh, of ad spend that's required. Um, and then another thing that, that happens a lot is they get data right away. So a lot of places will be like, oh, we'll send you an Excel document in a month or something like that. Uh, but we'll have, we have real data that they can actually look at and analyze in real time as well too. It accepts credit cards, uh, and it just makes these kind of, we call them the six closed doors of geofencing, and every other vendor that's out there has at least two of those doors closed to them uh, and everything. When I say that, that's the, um, I hope I, I get them all right. That's, uh, the closed doors are not accepting credit cards, not being built on the best technology, 
not not being self-serve, you having somebody else do it, uh, having really high cost per thousands or, or like the rate and everything. So those like markups, uh, massive markups, and then having a high minimum. And then of course it's slipping my mind right now of what the, the last one is. And I can, I can look it up while we talk and, and, uh, and, and, and fill us in. But so, really we've created this based off of conversations and based off of the fact that we believe that there is a market for it and a need for it and a desire for it. And as a small company ourselves, we're like sitting around waiting for somebody else to do it. And I was like, let's just do it ourselves. So we found an awesome uh, group of developers and, uh, and kind of put on our Robin Hood caps to try to give access that big companies have had access to and big agencies and vendors to, to the little guy. It seems to me that QJAM is orientated as an agency. Like you said, you have your kind of minimum. You've built a platform that can help people who can't meet that minimum. The benefit to the advertiser is they get to be able, if they only have an ad spend of $1,000 a month, they have a place to go where they can actually use geofencing to spend that $1,000 a month in a very targeted way. The disadvantage, in a sense, is that they're kind of on their own. They have to figure it out themselves. They have to go on the platform. They have to configure the campaign, do some A-B testing, trial and error. Eventually, they'll get used to it and figure out what works the best, and, and they can tweak it. But it allows them to do that and at least have you know have a budget that's reasonable to them, and then they can see, okay, I spent this much on advertising. I got these many this many clicks. This is how many eyeballs viewed it. You you supply them that data. They can then figure out if it was good or bad, or they can try something else. But on QJAM, they can't make the the creative, right? They still need to give the creative for the ads from somebody, correct? Correct. Um, we actually already we have a, a resource page for that. So we have discounted pricing through our ad agency to do some creative. We also have some recommendations on how they can do it themselves. Uh, as well as some links to some freelancers as, as well too. So um, it is kind of in that pipe dream vision for us to incorporate some kind of like simple plug and play creative format, uh, especially with the advancements in AI uh, and everything. Um, but that is gonna be one of those things. You have to, if you wanna do a display campaign, you have to have display creative. If you wanna do a video campaign, you have to have video creative. What do you think of of AI being involved in advertising? I mean, from the creative side, I've seen some of the AI art tools are able to actually put together reasonable looking uh, creative for still ads. Video is obviously something different. My personal feeling is, is that still image ads have its place, right? But I think video ads uh, and short form video ads really kind of have more impact now, particularly with younger generations. So static and banner ads, like the, the stat can actually be animated as well too, but they are um, distributed at a much lower cost per thousand. Um, so there's the video ads are just more premium, more inventory, they're more impactful. I always like to say that they have sight, sound and emotion uh, and everything where like a banner ad has definitely like sight um, and maybe some movement and everything, but it's not gonna have the same emotional effect and it's not gonna have the sound as, as well too. So I think, um, you know, from the AI standpoint, 
is it's going to change. Um, but advertising is an industry that's always changed and always adopted and try to figure out how to use technology at, a, at its um, advantage, right? I mean, the people that adopted Facebook early on had a lot of success with it. And it's always kind of testing and, and seeing what's going on. The iterations of AI that's out there right now aren't to the level where it's going to like replace people. Nor do I ever think that they are going to 100% do that because somebody needs to input that information, review it, tweak it, those kind of things. But like ChatGPT, I'm, I'm a big fan of to get over the hump of like um, blank page of like, how do I get started? You can say, hey, this is what I want to do. You get started for me, give me a blueprint, and then I'm going to put my own words on it. Or, hey, I typed out this thing. Does it sound good? Put it into chat GTP and let them do it. And then um, the uh, static image creation is is definitely been impressive and evolving. And videos nipping on the heels of that. Like there's definitely things that can be done with um, uh, with different things to get to a, a scary point. It's even audio. Like they're they're working on being able to to recreate anybody's voice and just have it sound like it it, it happens. And and there's a scariness with it. Uh, with that kind of stuff, there is a, from like, am I going to lose my job and, and is this going to be used for evil or are they going to, is it going to be Terminator? Are they going to take it over and everything? But I think that these are all really interesting tools that humans will still be the ones who figure out how to utilize them. Um, at least for the, definitely the, the next several, several years. Yeah, I mean, AI is artificial intelligence. It's not artificial consciousness. It can't think. It's good at doing mechanical things and doing some uh, decision processing when it's been taught and, and, you know, stringing content together and, and taking stuff that's been done. It's not creation, right? It's not conscious, yeah. you know, thought. And I, I think that's where the, even in the advertising agency, you know, People still have to communicate and to figure out how they want to do something and they need guidance and they need advice. Uh, it's kind of the, the what, what you've presented, QJAM, you know, it allows people to have a lower cost geofencing advertising. What they don't get is the education, the guidance and, and the quote creativity. Uh, but it could be good because that way they pay a creative agency to do those things and the mechanical side of it, of setting up the ads and setting up the geofencing and all that, they do and save themselves some money on it, right? Yeah, and and it's it's interesting too because there are definitely certain businesses that would come to us that maybe they come to us and they're like, I'm interested in geofencing. And maybe I'll look at some other things, but I'm really interested in geofencing. Um and for us, there are certain businesses that are a great fit for Ethic, and there's certain businesses that are great fit for QJAM, and then there's certain businesses where there's even another option that's out there as well too. So it's not a one size kind of fits all. Um, the nice thing about QJAM is it's it's meant to be very easy. It's meant to kind of like, if you can do a Facebook boosted post, you should be able to do a QJAM uh, geofencing campaign. Um, but if you like, just with like Facebook, if you want somebody to really leverage and utilize Facebook ad manager and get into the nuts and bolts of it, well, either you need to learn it, you need to hire somebody to learn it, or you need to go to another um, person, um, or company to do it for you as, as well. It's like different levels and everything. The neat thing about QJAM is, is that level has never really existed until now. 
really glad you mentioned that, Jeff, because uh, all through this discussion I've been wondering, like, how difficult or how easy is it to get into uh, geofencing in general? So, bidding on different uh, buckets of available advertisement space and uh, picking out the specific locations, writing the content. Uh, okay, maybe not writing the content because <laughs> that's all different enchilada, but in general, setting up this thing, how difficult would it be to start um, uh, from zero uh, in comparison to doing it with QGen? It's actually very easy to use step by step interface. There's, there's a good comparison to like um, job posting, like Indeed or LinkedIn, where just if anybody's done that, it's just like, hey, here's the next step. This is what you do in very plain English as well, too. So um, the only real difficult thing to set it up on your, on your own in, in QJAM is being able to have um, a knowledge of where your audience is and to have the creative and the website to deploy it. That if you have those things, it's very easy. You put the title in, you select if you want to do display, if you want to do OTT, or if you want to do video pre-roll. Then it goes to uh, the next slide, which it has like six selections of, do you want to get traffic to your location? Do you want to get traffic to another location? Do you just want to get web traffic? Do you want to reach the most amount of people? And then you click the ones that are applicable to you. It goes to the next one, which should just be um, set up your geofences. Where do you want to geofence? What do you want to do? And it's an integration with Google Maps. So you have street view, satellite view, um, just like an aerial map view as well too. And you can set up as many geofences as you want. They also use a polygonal shape. So it's not just like I draw a circle around somebody's uh, business. It's, oh, this is like a weird diamond shape. I'm going to actually do that shape around there, which is neat. Um, and then you also have the option to have your um, conversion zone set up as well too in your profile which automatically grabs it if that's what you want or you can do custom conversion zones if you're like hey we're gonna do this pop-up event and everything so this is like a, just a place that we want to attract people to see where they've been to um, and then it's just as easy as setting your daily budget seeing what kind of data that you think we're estimating that we're gonna deliver for you uploading your creative and putting your URL and then launching it and how does it look like on the other side of things? So uh, how difficult is it uh, for you guys to send this off to brokers and get them to actually put all this data into practice? Yeah, yeah. so because we use a demand side platform, um, it's, it's all, the infrastructure is already built. So I've mentioned Simplify a couple of times. This is what has some of the best in pioneering, some of the best technology in geofencing at all times. They're a Blackstone-backed um, company, $1.5 billion evaluation, 200-plus uh, uh, developers on staff as well, too. That Those are the people who are actually like working with the publishers and developers and, and all those things. So it's built in, 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 um, in tangent with them and uh, in partnership with them, right? So that's kind of all covered on their end, which makes it really nice. And they're not just focused on geofencing. They do things with... Um, 
with SEM and social, but really in you know multiple different targeting tactics uh, using um, audio and video and native and banner ads. So they have all of these relationships um, kind of built in and they are doing it on a massive, massive scale and they've been doing it for a long time as well too. So the infrastructure is there and from like our standpoint, it makes it really easy because we're not trying to recreate that. We're actually just giving the access to this really good technology that's out there without it going through, because this happens a lot in this world, a lot of times uh, maybe there's a demand side platform that's working with a company and then that company is contracted by another company to do campaigns and then that company is contracted by like an agency to do it and that agency is contracted by an advertiser to do it as well too. So we're also excessively direct. Um, it's, it's a very streamlined, automated, completely uh, direct uh, kind of point to the demand side platform that does all the targeting and all of the, um, the publisher collection and relationships as well. It is always a noble endeavor to bring uh, new technology and uh, new possibilities to the masses. So I'm yeah. happy you guys are doing that. Yeah, but I think the, the thing that has me most excited about this and that makes the most sense, and I think it makes most sense with anything tech related is that it's simple. It, it's, it's not overcomplicated. Um, which if you look at any demand side platform that's out there, um, there's nothing out there that just does geofencing. They always do like site retargeting, third party data, contextual, they do all these other kind of targeting things and then they have all these other layers and all of this different stuff that they have to do and everything because those are already set up to be a, you know, working with agencies and vendors and bigger companies to manage everything for them uh, and stuff. So this is really the first one that's like, all it does is geofencing. We keep it very simple. So when somebody's like, this is cool. I think this could work for me. I could, this could be an extra little element for me. Um, and they've had those conversations of like, well, I don't have $10,000 a month to spend. Or they realize, wait, your CPM is going to be half of what I'm paying. Um, or they're like, oh, I would love to have the data and be able to be in control because I'm a home improvement contractor. And instead of just doing yard signs of door hangers, I can also geofence when I'm on a project for a week, the whole neighborhood that's on there. And then not have to ask somebody and have this delay of like, okay, cool, take it down like we were already there or what, or, and everything, but give them the power and then the control. So I love the simplicity of it um, because I think that there is a market for it. Uh, but I also think that that's what makes really good technology is when it's solving a problem, but also keeping it very uncomplexed. If somebody was going to go on QJAM or just come to you as an agency and they're a business, they they think, I want to do some geofencing. I understand some basics of geofencing. Before they come to you or before they go to the platform, what are kind of the, the top four things they need to think about, about their business and what they want to do with this advertising so that when they go to you or go to your platform, they don't have to think about it. It's just kind of, they've already thought about it and they figured out this is what I want to do. The first one is, is what do they specifically have to know and do to, to run a geofencing campaign? And that is to figure out what kind of places would have my target audience. Um, it would be to figure out, well, how much money do I want to invest in this? It would also be to, how am I going to make the creative um, uh, for this and have it be compelling creative as well too? Because the platform right now, it's just targeting the people. It's getting in front of the right people. That's half of the battle. If you have a garbage um, set of creative that's not compelling, that doesn't speak to that audience, um, as well as like a website or a landing page for that, that doesn't really, you know, do that, you know, 
kind of like convert for you as well too, then the campaign's not gonna be that successful. You have to have both the creative messaging and the targeting, right? So right, you're, doing, that, that you're doing delivery, but the creative yes. is doing the conversion. Absolutely. Uh, and the better the creative is and the better the entire experience is, the better you will do. Adobe did a research study as well too that's an interesting fact that when the creative is good and it is aligned, the messaging, the offer, whatever it is, that the look of it aligned with the landing page. Um, and this is more for like banner ads and a little bit for video pre-roll ads, OTDT ads, you can't like click your, your TV with your finger, right? But if when that's aligned, that's the highest, um, uh, it, it had the most impact on the success of a campaign out of anything else that they tested. So I think that that's really kind of important. But that's what you'd need to do a geofencing campaign. The deeper question and a different way to answer it of what someone needs to do is more of me as an entrepreneur and as a overall advertiser is I highly recommend people do a couple things. They, they look at their marketing funnel. So they look that just Google search marketing uh, funnel and they'll actually see the difference of like awareness all the way down to conversion and retention and everything. And then just look at it and say, Hey, if I start at the bottom and I work my way up, do I have any holes in my funnel? Do I have anything where people are going to fall out of the bottom and of the sides and, and everything and not convert? Because geofence advertising is putting people into that funnel. And as a small business owner or any business owner or, 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 or marketing lead, you know, there is a component of you can fill a funnel all you want, but if they don't convert, that's not success. So there's a component of before you do geofence advertising or really any advertising, Google search that funnel and just look at it and say, is there anything that I can do better to ensure that once they're in this funnel that they make it all the way to the end uh, as well too. So that would be my first kind of more higher level recommendation before doing geofencing. Another one that I'm a firm believer in is um, making sure that, and this is kind of along the lines with the funnel, but making sure that you have a search strategy, like a Google search strategy. And it could be... SEO it could be paid per click, it could be a combination of the two as well too. One of the things that we, re, we see with programmatic digital advertising is anywhere between a 10 and 25% increase in direct, paid, and organic search traffic. And if you think about it, a banner ad's national average for a click-through rate, so the percentage of time that somebody will actually click on it is 0.05 to 0.08. So that is over 99% of the time that your ad is served, people don't click on it. Does that mean it's garbage? Does that mean it doesn't work? Absolutely not. If you know, no one can click on a billboard, no one can click on a TV ad, right? Um, but what ends up happening is the value is to getting that exposure to them and convincing them. And a lot of times people will go to Google and they'll type it in. If you don't have a search strategy and you're doing any kind of push style advertising, I'm pushing my message in front of somebody and then they turn to Google and they look for you because that's how most people do it nowadays is they go to go to the internet and you don't show up, well there's a break in that. So having some kind of search based strategy I think is critical to the success of not just a geofencing campaign but any kind of push style advertising as well too. So I'd say that funnel and then having a search campaign and, um, and then also on top of it that leads to my, my first uh, topic having good creative and compelling creative are the three things to really kind of look at at a high level um, before doing geofencing or any kind of push campaign. Yeah, I've definitely had the experience of seeing some kind of advertising 
and not clicking the advertising uh, and later just typing into Google the company name and getting the information that way. And so I can clearly see that, yes, uh, co uh, combining your search strategy with your geofencing strategy will definitely help. Yeah, and it's, I mean, and as, as we talked a little bit about AI, and then there's also voice as well, too. So optimization across multiple devices is good. But there's even like, you know, the component of like, have a good reputation, have good reviews, have a good reputation out there as well, too. Because a lot of times people will go to, go to Google, but they'll also talk to their spouse, they'll talk to a family member, a coworker, a friend or something like that. Hey, did you hear about this company? I was thinking about doing it. So the more you can just have like a good reputation as, as well too, and, and be found as, as well when people are searching for you, the better off the, the branding and the brand awareness and the push style advertising will serve you. Jeff, uh, what does the future of geofencing look like? My belief is that geofence advertising will become more common. Um, it is something that's been around for a while, but still a lot of people don't know then and don't leverage um, uh, that could leverage it. Right. So I think that QGM will be a champion to bring it more to the masses. Um, I think that it's going to be something that that continues to evolve to where like QGM, for example, does display ads video, and video ads. Eventually, we're going to add audio to that, that that can be done um, at our agency level, but there's just not quite enough inventory for us to feel comfortable to put on QJAM. Um, but I can also see it evolving to be more accessible on social media platforms and on other uh, formats as well, too. So I think the evolution and the access to it will continue um, and everything, and the technology will just continue to to improve upon it to where it becomes a lot more commonplace of a, of a tactic for um, businesses to utilize. How do people access QJAM? So the best way to do it is just to go to QJAM.com, Q-U-J-A-M. Um, it's honestly just a mashing of my kids, Quinn and Jameson's names and sounded techy okay. and fun um, and everything. But um, on the website, uh, you'll be able to sign up and register for free. Uh, you'll be able to build your own campaigns for free. You, you actually don't spend any money until you say, okay, cool, this is my daily budget, this is what I spend, and hit that campaign to go live. So we want people to play with it, to see how it can work with them as, as well too, uh, and everything. Um, and then the other thing that, that we have on there and that we have a, have a commitment to continue to do is you'll notice videos, education content, um, it is meant to be an automated platform, but that doesn't mean that we want to feel, have people to feel like, well, what do I do next? How do I best utilize it? So we'll have case studies, we'll have um, videos throughout the entire um, uh, website as well as the, the software itself to say, hey, here's the best practice and this is what we would do in, in everything in these situations. So it's kind of one of those things where people can very easily educate themselves through our content as well too. Um, but in all honesty, if you know where your people are and you have the creative and you have a website, you should be able to go on there and just follow the steps and, and, uh, and be pretty simple and pretty easy and get, get rolling within, within a day. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to fill us in on geofencing and how it can be used to grow a business. Uh, for our listeners, please join us in the first week of next month for another Screaming Box Technology and Business Rundown podcast. And until then... Stay on the right side of the geofence. Thank you very much for taking this journey with us. 
Join us for our next exciting exploration of technology and business in the first week of every month. Please help us by subscribing, liking, and following us on whichever platform you're listening to or watching us on. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and please let us know any subjects or topics you would like us to discuss in our next podcast by leaving a message for us in the comment sections or sending us a Twitter DM. Till next month, please stay happy and healthy. <laughs>